Outdoor Adventures, welcome into another episode here. I'm Stan Poggle and my friend Chris Kudak is with me as well, enjoying another great Governor's Fishing opener. And we got a good friend from Explorer Minnesota, John Edmond, all knowing when it comes to the fun things to be had here in the state of Minnesota, Kudak. So, uh, John. Welcome once again to Outdoor Adventures, and thanks for joining us. Thanks, thanks for having me, and thanks for being here, guys. I appreciate it. Yeah, so you, you have the fun job. You get to go and promote all the fun I, things I, to be I had. I have the best job in you the do. state of Minnesota. You know? There's a lot, of, a lot of jobs you can have in the government, you know, and they, a lot of them get political this way or that, but I'm the tourism guy, you know. I get to promote all the fun things that there are to see and do in the state, and all the incredible communities that we have, and with a great staff and a great industry, and so yeah, it's, I really have a lot of fun. Doing so you, you you get to drive around in your vehicle or the four wheeler or do this, and then you can stop and have a coffee and go in at the Pine River or where you're going, and say, yeah, I think maybe we'll do something over here. I think maybe you know that. I, I see you driving around, but you, you you've always well, got a different hat on, and you're looking the other way. You don't want to know. You don't want anybody to know who you are. Well, it's not me <laughs> doing it. It's telling your listeners all the great things that they, they can do, and figuring out how to tell listeners about all the great things. Yeah, you got to know the product, and the product is incredible in this state. But um, getting the message out to, to people, not even just in Minnesota, but surrounding states, and even even globally, you know, telling people all the things they're going to do in Minnesota. That's that's the fun part. And you look at our state. I mean, we got four wheeler trails, we got bike trails, we got. I mean, there's so many trails. You got the fishing, you got hunting. I mean, there's so much stuff going on. You got the, you know, the windsurfers. I mean, people don't understand. I mean, I was down in Texas here, and they, you try to tell them what we do up here, and they look at you like you're nuts. And you know what's what's interesting is that when we do research and we ask why do people come to Minnesota, or what what are we most known for? The number one that comes up is natural resources. The natural resources that we have in the state really is the distinguishing part of our product. And when you think about the natural resources, well, we have lakes, we have rivers, we have forests, we have prairies. We have all of this uh, unique land, which offers opportunity for habitat of all kinds. And, you know, we're talking fishing today, but it's also... You know, the, the birds and, and the hunt, deer hunting and, and things like that, which really makes Minnesota unique. And so when people are looking for a vacation destination and they're thinking, yeah, I can go to Disney World, I can go to Vegas, I can go to New York. Yeah, they have their unique product. Our unique product is really our natural resources. And that's, and that's, and that's what we try to really tell people about when we're talking about Minnesota, no matter where they have to be located. Yeah, I mean, it, you, it, you know, I was in Texas here a few weeks ago, and, you know, driving on the ice or doing this or doing that. The people down there go, "You're doing what?" Yeah, we drive our trucks across the lake, and guys, yeah, we got our four wheelers. I mean, we got down there. They don't have trails like we got up here. I mean, it, it, it's a whole different world down there. I mean, people people just don't understand what we got up here. A quick little story that sort of just reminded me. We are having a governor's fish, actually it was a Minnesota tourism conference up in Bemidji, Minnesota. And there was a guy, pretty pretty high level uh, uh, CEO of this organization called Brand USA. And he's from Florida and he works in DC. In fact, I'm on the board. We market the entire United States to markets throughout the world. Well, he comes to Bemidji and he has a suit and tie 
and he's at a hotel there, and then he's, he's in a restaurant, and he sees all these ice houses out there on the lake. And he starts asking the, the waitress, what are those things out there? He says, oh, they're fish houses. And he says, well, do people actually live out there? I see cars and things. Well, no, some actually stay overnight, but they don't live there. And then he asks a few more questions, and then the woman says, you're not from around here, yeah. are you? <laughs> you just couldn't get over the fact that we yeah, had these, these ice houses in the lake. Well, back, back many years ago, when we, we had the resort up on the west side lake, we had a group from California come. Never been on ice in their life, never seen a fish out. I'm driving them out in my Suburban. I get across the bridge, and the girl asked me, when are we going to get on the lake? Said, We've been on the lake for two miles. She didn't understand it. Didn't so, so, so then I get out seven miles out to the mud flats and all our fish houses. We got 30 houses out there back in the day. I'm, I'm drilling holes outside. Then they got back then they had the old booby cameras. The big, big. Now they're taking pictures. They all want to drill holes and they all want to do this. And they, all, they, they didn't have a clue. And I mean, they had so much fun. They, I think they've been back every year. This probably 20 years ago. They come back every year. Well, these, this is, these are really good stories because as Minnesotans, sometimes we take this stuff for granted. And we're not just talking about ice fishing. Oh, yeah. We're talking about all these lakes out here. We're talking about all the rivers. We're talking about all the forests, the stuff that we see every day. But a lot of visitors don't see that, and they don't realize what we have. And then if you, if you talk internationally, when we're marketing Minnesota to you know places in Asia and things like that, they come here... I've been here with groups from uh, Japan and China, and they look out at a lake like this, and their their jaws drop. And I say, well, what, what? That's just a lake. But there's so much open space, and there's so much land. We never see that kind of stuff in you know where we live. And so yeah. we take for granted the things that uh, that we have, but we really do have something pretty unique. Well, I know one thing that's really taken off is in recent years is the snowmobile trails and the ATV trails. How much of the community? goes into that as well, not only with you guys with Explore Minnesota, but you know, getting these communities to invest, you know, whether it's public land or trails and stuff like that, so everybody can enjoy, you know, areas like this up at Green Lake, you know. Well, I think on a statewide perspective, there's a lot more emphasis on the importance of natural resources. I mean, we passed the Legacy Amendment years ago, and that really said we need to protect our lands not for the current, but also for the future generations. And I think communities throughout the state are starting to understand that. Yeah, land is important for economic development and for business, and we need to promote that. But it's also important for, for recreation and to, for, for, natural, for outdoor enjoyment, hunting and fishing and things like that. And so there's a, there seems to be more of a societal emphasis on the importance of trails to give people access uh, to the outdoors, whether you're really even a hunt or fish. I was talking to someone this morning um, about the fact that when you're looking out at a lake like this, you may not be a hunter or a fisherman, but just think of what, when you see a sunrise out there in a lake like this, what it does for your soul to just connect with nature, connect with the outdoors. And we want to be able to provide access uh, to that kind of experience, no matter who you are, for people that are here and people from afar. John Edmond is our guest with Explorer Minnesota. He's, he's got the fun job, Kuduk, but, you know, you just mentioned it, but it, it's something that's real important for me is just, you know, like you said, the sun rises, the sun sets, the moon rises, the moon sets. You know, I went out the other day off the dock by my place, and, you know, the crows are chirping and the cardinals and the geese and the ducks and it's you know people need to take advantage of that people are so you know seem to be so wound tight 
sometimes, and you know, well, yeah, I mean, we have that stuff in Minnesota. You got to take like advantage of phones all the time. You know, yeah. and I'm no different. Neither so are my kids and things like that. But when you go to uh, a resort, when you go to a lake, you all of a sudden that stuff doesn't seem as important as it used to. And it's really important for us to get back to nature, get back to our roots, because it really. I mean, it helps. It helps your soul, but it helps your health as well. Just to kind of slow down and enjoy nature, uh, and to really figure out what's important in life. So that's why I think nature is so important to travel. To. And the state does a really good job at promoting it. But where can people go? I mean, I know I look at the website, and I mean, you can find anything, whether it's you know picking apples to fishing to hunting. ATV trails, you can find it all on your website. And that. Well, you can go to exploreminnesota.com. There's so many other websites like you know, where you can get that information and, and content. What we're really trying to do with a lot of our marketing is provide information to inspire uh, travelers. You know, we also want to connect them to the businesses and things like that. But we want to inspire people to get out and travel. So we're really trying to come up with those unique stories, those unique pitches to really... Uh, touch people in ways maybe they haven't been touched before that they start thinking, hey, this is a state I gotta go check out. So that's really kind of what we're trying to do at exploreminnesota.com. We're trying to help people with their uh, with their vacation plans. The communities all throughout the state are, are trying to assist in that effort. And I'm guessing you have a lot of return customers too. You talk even internationally, people coming out and checking. I mean, do you have any type of uh, knowledge as far as you know how many of those people come back or maybe you know, bring another family member or... You know, in terms of the uh, people having the experience, yeah, we've seen a lot of people come back. You talk to resorts, you know, a lot of sometimes your best customers are the people that book year after year. They leave and they start booking for the next year. Well, they book before they walk out the door. I know, and, and if you don't do that, you might have a hard time finding yeah. the week that, that you want. But what's kind of really important it is beyond that, is people sharing their experiences. And, and that's where social media comes into play. When somebody has a great experience, they, they tweet about it, they tell their family, they tell their, phone, their, their, their friends about it. And, and that really has a huge impact in trying to get people to come back to Minnesota. John Edmond with Explore Minnesota. He gets the tour around the state and uh, show everybody how cool Minnesota is, Kudak. So it's a great gig if you can get it. And uh, John, thanks again for joining us. And, uh, We'll uh, definitely uh, be talking with you in the we'll, future, I'm sure. We'll see you for the next fish you go for. Where's it going to be? You'll find out on Saturday. That's the second time we've tried that, and, and it doesn't work. Up so <laughs> we'll be back with more outdoor adventures here on Twin Cities Newstock. Lots of great guests coming up. We'll be chatting with Colonel Rodman Smith. He's an enforcement director for the DNR. Also, DNR Commissioner Tom Lind. We're on the way. And our good buddy, Mike Coldfront Curry, who's got a big announcement coming up here on outdoor adventures as well. So keep it tuned here to Twin Cities News Talk, AM 1130, FM 103.5, and the free iHeartRadio app. We'll be back with more from the Governor's Fishing Over. Outdoor Adventures continues here on Newstalk AM 1130 and the free iHeartRadio app. Make sure you download that, search Outdoor Adventures, and you can either uh, listen to us live every Saturday night from 5 to 6, or you can catch some of the archives as well. Get that free iHeartRadio app, and we are at the Governor's Fishing Opener. And we always get to chat with our good friend, the Colonel, 
We got him away from the ladies here at the uh, governor's opener, so he, he's nice enough to take out a little time for us here on Outdoor Adventures, Kudak. But you know, he, he shows up this morning. Usually he comes the day before so we can you know, go out and visit a little bit and have a pop or two. But I asked him if he's sticking around uh, you know, tonight. But you know, he ate his donut, had his cup of coffee. He's going to stick around for a little bit. He's sneaking back. He, uh, he's going fishing up north, but I won't tell anybody where he's going. But he's uh, he's going to sneak out of here and go up north. I'm thinking, yeah, he's got the light bulb, right? Yep. So well, it's almost like being in radio. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we always make our job pretty easy, uh, Rodman. But uh, let's talk a little bit. First off, a uh, new thing going in is that Sophie's Law with the carbon monoxide detector. So that's something, especially boaters. I know I'm out on Minnetonka, so a lot of people are going to have to get that upgrade. Yeah, you know, that really uh, spawned out of a tragic story right out of there in Lake Minnetonka where a young lady named Sophia... Um, actually passed away from CO or carbon monoxide in her boat. Um, she was in an enclosed cabin. And so uh, after that tragedy, some lawmakers and their parents uh, really um, went to the legislature and wanted to get, you know, do something preventative for CO. And so uh, starting out here in May, if you have a, a boat that has a designated sleeping area, a confined area, um, you need to have a CO detector in there, which is actually, you know, it's a common sense idea mm -hmm. um, to make sure that it's a deadly gas. Um, so uh, that's that's new this year. So you know, uh, we're doing a lot of outreach education on it, um, and so you know, hopefully prevent somebody from from happening to somebody again. And, you know. And I gotta ask a couple questions because you know you said the enclosed cabin, but I've also heard about. Um, you know the cuddy area, obviously yeah. where you sleep, but also if you have a head in the in the boat, uh, is yes. What differentiate what is required and what is not sure. required? So, but I mean, it's a good idea either way, obviously. But yeah, it's a good idea either way. So we've actually have some uh, some print materials that you can find online at the DNR. It's supposed to be in our uh, fishing synopsis, but you know if you have that confined area, enclosed area that's designated for sleeping. That needs to actually have a detector. And then there's other areas in boats that are kind of a common area that's open. And those areas just need to have some warning stickers on there. And so what you really need to do is be able to look at what you have for a boat because not all boats are created equal, obviously. Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, look at kind of boat you have and then make sure that you, you know, look at the print material that we put out there for it and uh, see if it's required in your area. So, yes, and you guys on the lake are going to be checking that more often? Well, you know, like any new thing, we're going to be doing a lot of education, and you know it's not it's not easy for some folks to slip a CO detector in their uh, boat, and so we you know we're going to take it um, take it you know uh, with a lot of education this year and just reminding people that they need to get it done and, and helping people get through the process. And really, it's 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 a no-brainer. It's a good idea. I mean, you're going to save a life, and they're not that expensive. They're not that hard to put in. I mean, you think the boat companies. Boom! Automatically put them in. Now yeah. with the, with the law now, I'm sure you'll see more more of them. You know, putting them in their boats. Yep. I mean, you're saving lives. I mean, it's like a fire detector in your house. Yep. It's a no-brainer. I mean, you're gonna save a life. Why not put it in? You know, you're absolutely right. We also uh, at the at the uh, legislature this year, um, we had uh, a hearing to talk about you know CO detectors in fish houses. And so uh, the DNR is going to work with some stakeholders and some manufacturers this year and kind of take a look at, you know, should there be a requirement for CO detector in fish houses? And uh, just this year, uh, during Eelpaw, we had a young man tragically die uh, oh, right. with, uh, from carbon monoxide. Well, you know, 
every year there's there, they, every year that I can remember there's always somebody dying and, and you're right even the skid houses or the new houses that they're I mean you're you're, you're paying, paying fifty thousand dollars for a house what's a thirty dollars detector I yeah mean, I mean but you know so what we want to make sure is especially when it gets to ice houses is the law has to make sense. Oh, yeah. You know, you're not going to put a carbon monoxide detector in a flip-over clam, obviously. Yeah. But, you know, a lot of these new wheelhouses like uh, Ice Castles and Yetis, you know, they come with a CO detector in them already. But, you know, a lot of these folks uh, still make their own houses. You know, they they convert old campers into fish houses and stuff like that. So we just want to make sure, especially with CO, because what happens is, you know, people uh, fish all day. They get tired for one reason or another, and they go to sleep, and they never wake up, unfortunately. So. Colonel Rodman Smith is our uh, guest here. He's with the enforcement uh, department with the DNR. So we're getting our annual shakedown here at the governor's fishing opener. By the way, where's next year's uh, fishing opener? You know what? I don't know. I've asked him. It's one of these uh, secrets. <laughs> I've, I've been, try, I've been trying stop. to hit everyone. I don't know. And nobody will tell me. <laughs> well, nobody's told me either. We'll find out soon enough. But uh, what are some other things? Obviously, it's... Uh, you know, a lot of people maybe have uh, the wrong idea when it comes to conservation officers, but uh, you guys don't only just work in the out, but you're, you're an important cog, you know, all around as far as uh, keeping people safe and educated. Yeah, you know, we, we do a lot of outreach. I think, you know, last year we had like 13,000 contacts, you know, where we went and spoke to people or spoke to groups um, and did outreach and education, you know. Obviously, people want to think of uh, conservation officers wearing the uniform and they just write tickets. Uh, we, we do much, much more than that. Uh, you know, so really, uh, when we have new regulations, like for example, now we have the new Northern Pike regulations throughout mm -hmm. the state. You know, and so we're going to be working with people to make sure they understand them because they they can be a little complicated. You know, the, the state split up into three different zones, and so. Um, the DNRs actually work, so we have a, a for those tech savvy people. You know, we got an app, that Lake Finder app. I don't know if you ever use that. Oh yeah. You know, you can pull up whatever lake you're on. It'll tell you exactly what the regulation is. If there's a special reg on there, if there's any invasive species on the lake, and whatnot. And so, those special regulations, because I know I read an article about that where some people are confused a little bit because you know the special regulation on a certain lake is. For Northern Pike, let's say. Yeah. Well, now certain that one zone, it's ten. Yeah. But it always goes back to that special regulation, right? Yeah. And we're trying right? to get, and fisheries have been working hard to try and make those special regulations, especially for those pike, uh, in these areas, a little bit better. So, but you know what? We're really trying to encourage people in that central zone. Catch ten pike, keep them, mm -hmm. eat them. Pike are good eaters. Oh yeah. Very good eaters, you know. And, I think the biggest challenge for a lot of people when it comes to uh, not catching northern pike but keeping them is how to get that Y bone out. And so, you know what? You don't need to be that professional that can take that Y bone out and make that really nice looking fillet. People chunk up fish to fry them anyway, so do like I do, hack them off, because I'm, I'm not the best at it either, but I always end up chunking up my fish to deep fry them anyway, so, but boy, northern pike are good eaters, and the more we can take out of those central Minnesota lakes. And they're really good pickle, too. Oh, yeah, very good pickle. Very we just pickle. have a couple of minutes left. Colonel Rodman Smith is our guest here on Outdoor Adventures. Um, also, I'm sure there's a lot of people listening, maybe want to get into the field, so... What uh, what advice or information you have for those folks? Yeah, so actually, we right now we have uh, what's called our CO prep, 
our CO prep uh, is a, a program that we have where if you have a four-year degree and it doesn't have not in law enforcement, uh, you can apply. We'll put you through law enforcement skills and get you into our academy. And so uh, right now we just in May second we started an academy. We're hiring 20 people. We got 20 people going through our academy right now. Um, we're already starting the hiring process for our next academy. I'm not sure how many we'll be able to hire. But CO prep is open now. Um, the traditional pathway for people that have their law enforcement degree will be opening up in the next month or so. But if people are interested in being a conservation officer, it's a great it's a great lifestyle. I don't call yeah. it a career or a job. It's a lifestyle. Um, you need a if you don't go through our CO prep program, you just need a two-year degree in law enforcement, and uh, we'll teach you the rest. And are they ever going to start a reality TV show about the? conservation officers in Minnesota, you got to be a first on the list for that. I <laughs> well, I tell you what, we've had uh, we've had a number of uh, production companies call and ask to have a show in Minnesota. Awesome. And so we've just uh, been kind of oh, waiting yeah, to see what's going to happen, but uh, we've had plenty of opportunity. Well, don't forget your buddies here if you ever need a guy <laughs> to take along. Sounds Colonel good. Rodman okay. Smith has been our guest, DNR Enforcement Director here. At the Governor's Fishing Opener, we'll have more for you. we still got our good friend uh, Mike Coldfront Curry. He's got something big for us to tell us. And maybe we'll even get out him uh, a little bit later on in the show here at Kudak, uh, where next year's opener will be, and also DNR Commissioner Tom Landwehr. Coming up here in Outdoor Adventures, stay tuned. You're listening to the Twin Cities News Talk, AM 1130, FM 103.5, and free iHeartRadio app. Adventures here on Twin Cities News Talk, game 1130, and our old friend Mike Cold Dogs Cold Curry is Cold Dogs Curry, and you look at the weather, it's cold again on an opener, but you know what? It's we, not too bad. We got to be nice to him. You know, we've known the guy for, God, I don't know. You can't do it, you can't do it all, right, Cold Front? I mean, you've done all this for us, you can't change the weather, right? You can't. I can't change it, but uh, you can sure adapt to it, but I'll tell you what, 61 degrees tomorrow for the opener? I'll take that any day over a yeah. couple of the ones that we've had. Yeah. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. But you know what, Mike? We've known you for, well, we've done stuff with I've, I've known you for years and stands with you for years. And, and, and you're departing us. We won't be seeing you. You're going to start right off with that instead we're, of talking about the fishing well, opener? Well, we're, we're, we'll get into the fishing Jeez. opener, but you know what? You're the one that, that the heart and soul of this, dude. You're running around oh, like a chicken with your head cut off with all your other helpers, but you know what? We're, we're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna miss you. I mean, we're gonna miss you because, you know, you're, you know, I always looking forward. To, you know, I see you up north on this, and I see you there. But you know, it's always fun to see you at the deer opener, the fishing opener. You know, we always have a good time. You keep staying out of trouble. You usually got to babysit Stan because I can't do it. You know, you're, it's you a might tough just, job, and well, I don't think anybody can do you it. You might just have to show up just to come along you know I, I you know i might i am retiring at the end of uh, may um it, it i'm just gonna say it's time you know i'm, I'm tired and i the last couple of years it's been tough to get out and do the things i i enjoy and you know i you know i've, I've walked the walk uh, i have talked the talk but i haven't been doing the walk the walk i mean i have been doing the stuff you know, when, you, when you can talk about things you know you want to talk about in the moment not what happened you know 10 years ago you know, how is fishing now? You, you want to 
be able to educate people and, and understand that. I want to be able to, 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 to do those things. And the last couple of years, it just hasn't been that way. No, I, you know, I know how busy you are. And, and you got your cabin up north and, and you know, it's, it's time to get in your boat and relax. Yeah, I'm going to do that, but I'm also going to continue the, some of the work. Uh, uh, I'm, I'm not sure I can make the crappie contest this year, but that one's, this will be the first year I miss in, in like, um, you know, 25 years. Um, I'm going to continue to work with Fishing for Life and, and, and Tips Outdoors. I'm going to continue emceeing some of the events that I've done, um, like the Ice Castle Classic out out, uh, out west. So I'm going to continue doing some of those things. So I, I'm, I'm hoping to be gone but not forgotten, so I'll come back every once in a while and haunt don't. you guys. Well, I think it'll take a while to, for people to forget about Just you. Mike Coldfront Curry is our guest here on Outdoor Adventures. And let's get into what you are going to be doing here for a little while anyway, and that's the mentoring programs. And it's always important to get new people involved, and I know you're looking at not only getting the kids involved, but also uh, helping the adults that haven't uh, grown up, fortunately, like us, you know, hunting and fishing. Well, that's going to be part of the, the issue going forward. I am retiring, so I'm going to have to be passing the torch on to some other people. And we, we don't want to see any of these things, you know, drop. I mean, we've had a, a tremendous... Uh, relationship with the National Wild Turkey Federation. We've gotten over 5,000 people out turkey hunting uh, in the last 10 years. And that's a, that's a lot of people for a sport that, that you know, was, wasn't even known here not that long ago. And you were, what, three for three this year? We were through, oh boy, we, you know, sometimes better be lucky than good. And in this case, it better be lucky and good, but no, I'll go with the first one, lucky. We got, we got lucky. And that's, what, that's part of turkey hunting, but we also spend a lot of time scouting uh, and you know, showing these these newbies that first gobble in the morning, and where the hair stands up on the back of the neck, or the or the look on some kid's face when he catches his first fish, or or shoots his first turkey, or or just okay, that's a deer over there, that's a warbler. There we got that was a trumpeter swan that you just heard. We we're trying to get him to appreciate the whole package of the outdoors. So where where do people get information on this? Because like you said, I mean, you have everything from Becoming an outdoors woman, right. you know, they got stuff for adults, stuff for kids. Yeah, the, the best place to go to is mndnr.gov slash discover. You do that, uh, that'll open up a whole bunch of opportunities. We've got learn to deer hunt programs. We have upland bird programs that we work with pheasants forever. Uh, the rough grouse has their own programs that they've done. So if you do a little bit of work, and the outdoors, quite frankly, is work, yep. but it's fun work. Uh, if I have to, uh, if I'm working on the cabin, that's fun work. If I had to do the same thing at home, of that's course. work. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to do. You hire somebody to do the homework, exactly. and you go to the cabin and work. Exactly. Because now you know you can you know, get your job done, you can have your campfire, yep. you can have the gas grill going, and yep. you, so you can also walk out, out the 20, you know, 20 acres or 30 acres and go check your tree stand out yep. or, or listen to the... To the to the mallards or the, that's like me getting up at you know in the morning. I go outside, stand on the deck in the morning, watch the sun come up, watch the geese land in the pond, watch the deer in the backyard or the turkeys, and I'm thinking, now would I be doing this down in the cities? No. What am I going to see next? And on that on 20 acres up Lax, the only thing that I haven't seen is a moose. And I'm trying to think of anything else. I have. Almost a badger, you know, some, you know, some, yeah. some of these obscure things. But we're talking bobcats. We're talking about uh, there was a sow with three cubs last year that we got on camera. 
Uh, turkeys walking through the backyard during the turkey season. Squirrels, the trumpeter swans. We had sandhill cranes literally right there in the woods. Oh, I mean, you don't, if you don't get out there, you can't see these things. Yeah, yeah. You, you, you know, people don't understand the state that we're in, the wildlife we got, and, and what's, what's there to do with the state. I mean, you got. You go to the you know, Minnesota DNR pages, you've got the four-wheelers, you've got the cross-country. I mean, you got, there's so much stuff that, get get the kids out to do stuff. I and mean, the state parks is, a, is yeah. another, you can get yeah, high fish one programs. Right here, yeah. This weekend, you know, take them on fishing. Yeah. You know, you don't have to buy a license this weekend, moms. In fact, that might be a heck of an idea to maybe take care of mom. Let's see, go fishing and then take her out to brunch afterwards. There you go. No, you go fishing, then you click, let her clean the fish. And there you, you go. The fish. That's <laughs> how you oh, work. Oh, there we go. I like that. He always gets out of the fish cleaning. My yeah. cold front Gary is our guest here on Outdoor Adventures. Um, back to the mentoring a bit here, uh, cold front. Uh, what can people expect? Uh, you know, a lot of people are, you know, shy when they're trying something new. So what, what can you tell those folks to get involved and what can they expect? Well, I'll, I'll use our deer hunting program as an example right now. and It's not a one-step or one-deal guided hunt. You have to work for it. And what, we, what I mean by that is you have to have firearm safety as an example. Then you go through two or three clinics and we're talking about everything from A to Z because a lot of these people aren't comfortable handling, handling firearms. Mm -hmm. And so you really work hard with them on the range and in the classrooms to get them to understand and feel comfortable. Because it, it, with a firearm, you're talking about if you make the wrong move, somebody could get hurt. Oh, you bet. And if we got firearm safety in there, which is a great program uh, through DNR and through the volunteers, you know, back in the 50s, if, they, if we lost 15 or 20 people being shot, you know, deer hunting, now we're down to one or two it's, it's all about safety and think about knowing your target and what's beyond. These sort of things that can get people to feel comfortable about that, but then taking them to the next level and we talk about deer sign and what, what you're going to see, what kind of habitat does a, does a deer live in? What are you looking for when you've got, um, you've got a couple different crossing routes where the deer are going? Where do you set up your tree stand? You know, those. But then again, you can't teach somebody how to deer hunt in three or four sessions. So then we also take them out. Uh, we, we've used Itasca and uh, uh, St. Croix State Parks as uh, opportunities to get these people in the outdoors, and we take them on a two-day hunt. And so some hands-on. But the, the issue is taking that next step. And so we've developed a 102 program. And then we've developed a 103 program. So we've got these things, we've got stepping stones that after that 103 program, I think they're ready to go out on their own. Then, well, we, we, and then you got to teach them after they shoot that deer. Oh, yeah. Now, absolutely. Now, now the work That's starts. The work starts. Now you got to teach them how to gut it out, how to do it right, how to clean it and, and skin it. I mean, it's... Well, they'll do like you, and they'll just take it over the, the processor. Yeah, yeah, I, don't yeah. Get, I, I wish I could do that, but I don't get to do that. But, I mean, it's... It, it's not that hard. I mean, it's really, you know. There's a ton of videos out you, there you, that, you, that you, can teach them. Well, the guy up in, the, in Duluth there that comes to the deer hunt. Bill Hesselgrave. Bill yeah. Hesselgrave. I mean, there's there's an example. He's got the videos for cleaning them, cutting them up, sharpening knives. I mean, unbelievable video. If the guy wants to get a video, I mean, he's got one of the best ones out there. Well, we got a couple of minutes here to get sappy with our good buddy, Paul <laughs> Curry here. 
I hate to say it. I, 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 I probably get a tear in my eye here, to be honest <laughs> with you. But just want to thank you for all the help and work you've done for us over the years here at the Governor's Opener. I'm the and one that's going to get teary. What, right what are you going to do when you ride off into the sunset, Curry? We're so happy for you. Well, I'm, I'm going to hunt and fish a lot. I'm going to spend more time with my girlfriend. We're going to do more traveling out there. I want to. I've got uh, two nephews that are six-year-old right now that I'm in charge of their outdoor education. Oh, they live in Memphis, so. Yeah. Gonna... <laughs> and you know where I live now. You know, it's not that far from your house. You know, we can always go to the Gilman and, and have you a know, diet soda. They've got. Uh, uh, well, we can do that too. But <laughs> I, I, you know, I started the kids off. I got them slingshots this year. Oh and yeah. So that you know, you start off with, with a progression. And I'm yep. going to do the same thing I would with anybody yep. anybody else, and make sure we. Talk about education and safety along the way. Slingshots, they need time to do that, though. That's right. Yep. That's awesome. But I'm going to continue vol my volunteer work. Uh, I'm pretty sure I'm going to do that. I'm going to be doing some emceeing events. So I'll still be around, but uh, we'll see on what sort of uh, level that I do that at. Well, we'll see you at Camp Confidence June 15th and 16th. I remember I got the flyers out in my truck because we need, I need some more guides up there. Because well, I'll be doing the emceeing. And you make sure I'll make sure I say and hi to you. Next year I'll definitely do it. This year I've got a class reunion that I oh, that, that I promised yeah, yeah. that I would be at that I haven't been to in over thirty years, and they're gonna find out that well I was voted most shy. <laughs> that <laughs> if you can work. believe that's, that, that's most crazy. shy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, as a senior, and and now well look at me now and exactly. Uh, uh, but I'm just as comfortable in a tree stand as I am uh, in front of the microphone. Well, enjoy your retirement. You definitely deserve it. Mike Coldfront Curry, for the last time as the uh, mentoring program coordinator here on Outdoor Adventures from the Governor's Fishing Opener. We'll have more, one more signal with Tom Landwehr coming up here next to wrap things up on Outdoor Adventures. Twin Cities News Talk, AM 1130, FM 103.5, and the free iHeartRadio app. Final segment here on Outdoor Adventures to wrap things up from the Wilmer Lakes area. We're at the Governor's Fishing Opener, and always a pleasure to have uh, DNR Commissioner Tom Landwehr with us. Pretty fun guy, too, and he's, he's a true outdoorsman. He uh, practices what he preaches. So welcome again, Tom, to Outdoor Adventures. And uh, let's hit uh, just safety first off, because obviously everybody that goes out on the lake, we want them to come back. You betcha. Well, well thanks for having me first off, and it's great to be here. And in the area and uh, you know I, I took my own boat out uh, during the week just to make sure everything's running you know and, and uh, I'm reminded as I'm coming off the access there was a gentleman who was uh, trying to launch his pontoon and he for the, for the life of him he couldn't get the dang thing off the trailer into the water and so I, I went to help him well lo and behold he still had a strap on <laughs> and, it, and it reminded me you know it's a good thing to practice you know, backing up your trailer, backing up your boat before you uh, get on the access on opening day because there's going to be 10 guys behind you all anxious to get on the water, and you don't want to be uh, taking more time than you have to. So courtesy on the landing starts with knowing what you're doing. And, and then, uh, you know, again, it's the first time on the water for people since last year. You know, remember your personal flotation device, your PFD. That water is cold right now. Uh, you, you can go over in any number of ways, you know, and uh, you want to make sure... Uh, if you go over, you've got a vest on. And you throw a cushion. Yeah. Uh, throw That's a, cushion a big one. I see though, a lot of people where, where I'm at, and you know, I always say just sit on the thing because it makes a good butt pad. But, yeah. uh, you know, 
I work at a marina, and we'll find them in, in the cuddy. We'll find them yeah. underneath the seat, and it doesn't do you any good. And it's kind of like a seatbelt law. You have to have it within reach of you, so that's, that's a big one. Well, and, you know, the new inflatable uh, vest, I mean, you don't even know you're wearing it on things, so it doesn't, yeah. it's nothing to And, and you know, we're talking about you know, getting your boat ready. You know what? You can go, you can go buy a, a set of ears for your lower unit of your motor, yeah. start your motor up in your yard, so when you back it in the water, you're not sitting there grinding and grinding and grinding while yeah, yeah. 20 people are waiting. You, you start it up in, you know, a couple of days before you let it sit there in I.O. You're going to make sure the water pump is pumping and you got everything cleaned yeah. out, and now you're ready to go. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, I've through the years, I mean, I've been doing it for a few years, and, I mean, I've seen, oh, it, it, like I said, if, I, if I'd have took a movie of all this stuff, <laughs> you know, I'd watch you guys back in and forget to put their kill switch in, and they're down there grinding and grinding and grinding, and you walk over and hit the kill switch up and say, hey, it'll start now. <laughs> oh, it's, it's, it's just, all those little things you forgot since last year. Oh, yeah, you know, make sure you got oil in the motor, and you're going, you know. Yeah, the battery's charged. Or, or you know, trailer maintenance. How many times yeah. does a guy go down the road and you're looking at it and it's smoke coming out from bearings because he didn't, grease, he didn't put the money bearings out and grease it? Well, I just coincidentally this year, as I'm getting the boat ready to take out, I noticed that one of the tires had a bubble on the inside of the tire. I wouldn't have seen it looking at the outside. And so I jacked it up and, and replaced it. But I'm sure I'd have gone 10, 15 miles with that, and that would have blown out, and I'd be sitting on the side of the road with the trailer. So... Absolutely. Take a little bit of time to check over the trailer and the, the bolt, make sure everything runs before you try to launch it. And another big thing is, you know, not only getting in the lake and doing the fishing and having a fun day, but, you know, a lot of people are in a, in a hurry getting out of the lake, but uh, that's that's a very important time for people to check things over, too. You bet. For aquatic invasive species, you know, make sure there's not, no weeds hanging on your motor, on your trailer. Pull the plug on your boat. You know, clean, drain, dry is the, is the mantra. Clean the stuff off your boat, drain the water out of your bilge, out of your, your live well, out of your bait bucket, and uh, make sure that you're not moving some aquatic invasive species now, to another lake. Is there a new checking you got to get checked before you go in the water now? Did I see something about that where some lakes you have to get certified to put your boat in now? Well, there's a, uh, there's a small area out by Annandale, Wright County, the uh, Wright County Shore Water Conservation District is working with the county to do a, what they call a regional inspection program. And so before you can launch on one of three or four lakes, you have to run through this inspection station to make sure that you're not bringing any aquatic invasive species in. They give you a special tag and then you go out and you can launch your boat on those lakes. But if you don't have that tag, then the sheriff's office can give you a ticket. So. It's a, it's a trial effort in that area to see if uh, see if it works, see if it helps prevent the spread of invasive species, and uh, you know, we'll see how it goes. And how many how many stations do you have around offhand through the state that when you go to a boat landing that you know you back your boat and there's a bunch of kids there, guys there, a guy, a woman or whatever, and they'll you know they got the wash site there to you know, they'll wash your boat and do whatever and you back your boat in. I mean, so, I mean, so our whole aquatic invasive species program is based on sort of four elements, and one is enforcement, right? So we're going to enforce the laws that are out there. One is education. We're trying to get the word out to everybody. Make sure you know that you have to have you know you have to clean, drain, dry, and so you see the signs, you see the information on your license regulation book, and so on. The other is uh, inspection. And so we have more than 100 inspectors out there, and they tend to be college kids, who will inspect boats as you're coming in or going out, make sure that you're you know, compliant and make sure you're not missing anything. 
And then there's a handful of decontamination units, and that's the fourth element. I think we've state has like 30 decontamination units, and that'll be a, a big plastic pad. You pull your boat up onto that. They'll spray it down with hot water, kill anything that's in there. And so that's what the, the DNR has. But now the counties all have funding from the legislature as well, and so they add on to that in, in those areas as well, education, decontamination, and inspection. But it's, you know, there's 3,000 public accesses out there. Yeah. So we're talking 150 people, 150 accesses that have some kind of inspection on We still have to rely on the, the boat owner to do the right thing, regardless if there's an inspector there or not. So uh, we got to ask you, too, are you heading out fishing tomorrow? Absolutely. I dragged my 14-foot Alumacraft duck boat out here, so I'm going to put that on the water in the morning. I haven't figured out where yet, but I'll be out. this is a big lake here. Are, are, you, are you taking Curry and Pereira with you? I'm taking Buddy Dave Shad, Deputy Commissioner, out. Uh, oh. And so uh, uh, he and I, we have to figure out where to go. I'm hoping one of my uh, employees is going to give me a hot tip. So far, they have not. So, well, heads will it roll. A secret. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, tough yeah, to get fishing hotspots. They, they might be a janitor when you get back to work. <laughs> <laughs> so, are there any other new things? I know we chatted earlier with the enforcement uh, director, uh, Colonel Smith, and you know they have the new uh, CO2 law going into effect uh, yep. for the boats this year. But is there anything else new that you guys are looking at? Well, as there's far the new northern regs. You maybe yep. talked to Don about that. Yep, and we that, did. The purpose of that is to grow bigger northerns because people want to catch bigger northerns. Uh, but other than that, um, not really a lot of new things people have to be, be aware of. And for people out there, too, uh, you know, everybody's always out there asking for money, whether it's this cause or that. But, yeah, uh, yeah. you know, the DNR is a big deal here in this state. We have so many great, you know, we've talked ATVs today and snowmobiles yeah. and four-wheeling and, and biking and golfing and there's, there's a lot of a lot of different entities involved within that DNR umbrella so uh, you know how can people maybe uh, be a voice for you guys and help you out in that aspect well you know we, we did a, a big public lands education effort over the last nine months or what the, the, the mantra of it was it's your public land managed by DNR and that's really the case for everything we manage, whether it's a state forest, a state park, a public water access, a, a snowmobile trail. It's, it's assets that belong to you. We just are the manage, manager of those. But for all of those things, it's just like if you own a house. When you buy a house, you're not done putting money into it. You've got to paint it. You've got to put in a, you gotta maintain a heating system and so on. Same is true of our state parks, our public water accesses, our forest roads, all those things. We have to put money in to maintain them. And we get that money from the legislature. We ask them for money to maintain those things, and, uh, and what they give us is what we have to work with. So we have put a request in front of this legislature for $130 million to take care of our state parks, state, state forests, and all the other things. So far, they've indicated we make it $30 million. So it's uh, way less than what we've asked for. Uh, many of our parks are in really kind of tough shape right now. We don't have any water at all at Jay Cook State Park. We don't have drinking water at Blue Mountain State Park. The sewage system at Itasca is failing. And so we really need to invest in these things that belong to all of us, but the DNR managers. And, you know, <laughs> I don't know how we should put this, you know. Is it, is it the, the lottery and all this gambling proceeds? 
is it wasn't that supposed to be the general fund for the DNR to get at it one time? And, and are you getting at it? Well, so both the lottery, which puts money into the Environment and Natural Resources Trust Fund, and the new sales tax that was passed in 2008, both those have um, constraints on them that say that this is money to do more new things, not to do the old things. So it says you have, this is money that is intended to supplement not substitute for traditional sources of funding. So when Minnesotans voted for those, they said, yes, we like everything you're doing, we want you to do more. And so it was never intended that that should be kind of the base funding for normal operations. It was always intended that we should continue to get that money from licenses, from park fees, and from the legislature to do these other things. So, so those dollars help a great deal, but it doesn't take the place of that core funding that we still have to get. Well, these guys always asking for more money. Always like, asking for you, money. You, you know, what, what, the, what you guys should do, you guys should all get down and sit with these congressmen and say, okay, here, here's a lottery ticket right here. And all this money from this lottery ticket right here goes to our DNR. Now that goes for your, you know, whatever. I mean, your land, your upgrade. But you should have, the DNR should have its own lottery ticket and you sell them. As you know, the sportsmen are going to go buy the lottery tickets. Well, you know, in a way, we already do that. You know, 85% of our budget comes from fees and licenses. So you buy a fishing license, that's kind of a lottery ticket because you don't know if you're going to catch anything. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But, but that pays. So much of our core funding still comes from the user fees that people pay. And it's not a whole lot more that is needed to take care of things the way we want to. And it really benefits all of Minnesota. So we've said, you know, the general fund is the right place for that money to come now, from. Our, our Okay, we got our fishing license, our hunt license, our ATV, snowmobile. Are, are they up or down? Uh, pretty much flat, pretty much flat, which is good news because in a lot of states they're declining, but Minnesota, uh, robust and, and stable. Okay. Tom Landwehr has been our guest. That's going to wrap things up here on Outdoor Adventures. And if you come up here too, uh, Tom, I'll tell you what, if he, he doesn't work out anymore with the DNR, they, you know, you can always maybe have a future in stand-up the way I, from what I hear anyway. So, oh, yeah, yeah, he had, so, he had a few good jokes, but we singers, won't, we won't yeah, tell him we, on the radio. We can't get to those right now. So, uh, <laughs> that was a good one, too. But we it's laugh. always a good time talking with the commissioner, Tom Landwehr, here. We've been listening to Outdoor Adventures here on Twin Cities Newstalk AM 1130. Go out and get those walleyes and enjoy your time in the outdoors here. We'll be back with more Outdoor Adventures next week. Enjoy.